Hello, everyone, and welcome to All Things Creative. I'm your host, Linda Riesenberg Fissler, and an author and artist as well. Um, so today, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, something I've been researching. Uh, I kind of teased this yesterday in the blogcast that I was uh, doing around the promotions. By the way, um, since I said that, I, I want to mention real quick, Blind Influence is free this week until Friday, uh, the 13th of October. So make sure you head on over to Amazon and grab your free ebook if you haven't already. Um, also on sale this week is Blind Persuasion at 99 cents. Um, it's on a Kindle countdown, so that'll only be for a couple days, and then it'll go up in price uh, before it reaches its uh, regular price again. So Blind Persuasion and Blind Influence are both on special this week, so go grab that if you haven't already. Um, so back to the research, because that's what I really want to talk about. Um, I've been trying to figure out how I want to interweave uh, the character of Larry Barker, Senator Larry Barker, now Ambassador Larry Barker, um, into this book. And, you know, he's, he's a bit sinister, so um, I wanted to, like, bring that out more in this trilogy. And I've got pretty much the basic foundation of the project, um, of, the, of the trilogy, what it's going to be centering around already woven into a number of different scenes in the free write. And now I want to focus a little bit more on Barker and see how much more trouble I can insert into the mystery, suspense, political intrigue novels that I'm writing. So I decided that I didn't know enough about the American embassy in Moscow. And of course, the first question is, was there such a thing in the Soviet Union at that time in the 1980s? And I come to find out there actually was, which, <laughs> thank God, otherwise I'd have to like totally rewrite my book. But um, so I started looking into the history of the embassy there, and it, it's really kind of bureaucracy at its best, I guess you could say. Uh, William Bullitt, who's, who's an interesting character in his, in his own, was the first ambassador. I, I, I shouldn't say first ambassador. He was the ambassador starting in 1934. Um, he's got an interesting background in the way that his political beliefs changed over time. Um, he was appointed to the post, I believe, by FDR. Um, he was the first American ambassador to the Soviet Union. Um, and he, while he was there, uh, went to Stalin and asked Stalin for a new embassy, a new American embassy. And uh, and Stalin kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever, uh, didn't really get too interested in, in what he was saying, but he was the first to ask for a new embassy. Uh, interestingly enough, I can't find out where the old embassy was. <laughs> I haven't, haven't actually located that one yet, so that may actually require some, some more um, digging, maybe even offline, to find out the exact location of the American embassy uh, in 1934. Um, but in the 1960s is when the actual negotiation with the Soviet Union uh, actually started um, in earnest. And the U.S. was offered a site atop Lenin Hills overlooking Moscow. Um, but that wasn't acceptable to the U.S. So they instead opted for an 85-year lease on a site more accessible and centrally located. Um, in Moscow. It was a 10-acre parcel uh, overlooking the Moscow River and within walking distance of the embassy residence and important Soviet government buildings. Um, 
1969, they agreed on this and signed the agreement uh, for that particular site, the 10 parcel site in overlooking the Moscow River. And in exchange to this, with this, the Soviets were then also negotiating for their site in America, which ended up being in Washington, D.C. on Mount Alto Hill, which overlooks Washington, which basically is like, it was like tailor-made for their espionage efforts. Um, it was really interesting reading about um, that and then wondering if that was one of the buildings that President Obama kicked uh, the Soviets out of uh, right before he he left for their uh, so-called meddling in our uh, elections, which you know, unless you're hiding under a rock, <laughs> you, you you probably aren't up to date with with everything that is on that. But it, it was interesting again because here we are in 1969, we're we're negotiating sites for our embassies, both um, overseas, and then Moscow, Russia is uh, negotiating sites in Washington. Uh, for them, they end up with like the premier place to to do to uh, conduct their espionage, and and we're overlooking the Moscow River, and you know almost like la la, here it is, you know, very nice looking. Well, look, there's the river. <laughs> so, who knows? I mean, you know, there definitely was some espionage stuff going on, which I'll get into in in a few minutes. But um, it, it did make me wonder. I, I I need to finish out that research to see if Mount Alto um, Hills is still. Uh, the, the number one embassy in Washington, D.C., or if they actually renegotiate it for a new site later on, but uh, or made them move to a real site if the CIA got their way. So anyway, in 1972, um, let's go back into history. In 1972, Nixon ordered the State Department to get this building done in Moscow. Okay, so um, here's the bad part about that. They turned the control of the design and construction to the Soviets with no intervention, basically, by any of the U.S. people that are interested. So, in other words, the Soviets are going to build this building for us, and we have no say. <laughs> the only thing we can do is basically go, yeah, that looks like a nice building. Go ahead, build it. It's all up to you. So, in 1987, well, I, let me step back a second. So, from 1972, to the 1980s, this construction's going on. The only time that the U.S. had any say was after the materials reached the site where they are going to construct it. And at that time, interestingly enough, our security forces, CIA um, particularly, and anybody that would be involved in embassy security, uh, got to look over the materials before they started building it. And then the flags started getting raised. It was like, hold on a second. Um, the Soviets very cleverly found a way to put bugging devices in the concrete of the building. So here's all these concrete blocks and pillars and so on that have basically conduits in them to bug, already bug the building. And the security forces are like, you know, no, this can't happen. We can't do this. But the problem is we turned all of the design and the, and the construction over to the Soviets. So you can imagine there was a lot of uh, conversations, if you want to call them that, going on at the time that this is, is happening. It basically um, rendered that embassy 
useless. I, they basically discovered in very short time that they were being bugged. The, the underlying premise of, to let them go ahead and build it and let those, that we were better than the Soviets, so we would be able to disable these once they got in place. Well, the, the bottom line was, no, there wasn't. And um, it, it was the strangest things because most of the business, you know, any, any type of security, um, you know, messages that had to get from the Soviet to the U.S., Soviet Union to the U.S., or the U.S. to the Soviet Union was had to be handled in a totally different way. Um, you know, the conversations had to be, you know, they basically, you know, knew they were bugged the whole time that they were living in this this place that was, you know, constantly being listened to by the KGB. And so it, it changed how they and what, how they did their business and what business they could do. So uh, a very limited um efforts basically on the United States or, or by the United States during that time, because anything that would be discussed, you had to assume the Soviets knew about. Um, so a lot of conversation then began happening between uh, a number of different committee committees in the in the U.S. Um, government, um, like the, the Intelligence Committee and Foreign Affairs Committee, and and all these different committees in Congress itself. Um, the whole discussion became, you know, what should we do with this building? Should we just tear it down and 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 rebuild it, or um, you know, let it go and and just not include the Soviet Union in any of our secret you know, communiques that go back and forth, um, it, it presented a, a really big problem. So in 1987, they really had to push this decision about whether or not they wanted to reconstruct or raise the building. And um, I, from what I understand, the building is still there. <laughs> so like I said, this is bureaucracy at its best. But I just thought I'd bring you that little bit of, of research that I, I found, because I found that you know, really interesting that this has been going on with the embassies. So this then turns me around to the question of, Give me some history on the UK embassy where Sean and Nicole are going to be living and what happens there. I mean, obviously, uh, the Russians one-upped us on on that uh, building of that. Um, and their their espionage is, is very, very good. I, I still list Mossad as, you know, the overall top information getting organization and, and being ruthless in what they're doing. And, of course, they have to be considering uh, everything that, that's going on there. But, you know, I, to me, it's the, the massage. The KGB is a very close second to that. And of course, the KGB is not the KGB. We don't call them the KGB today. They've changed their name. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly their intelligence gathering and espionage efforts are are amazing. If It is basically the only word that I can come up with the things that I have found um, doing the research. And it's always interesting to me is how decisions like this one back in the 1960s, 1969 or so, are still impacting the world today. Um, like I said, there are two sites that I know of that um, has been talked about, uh, especially last December, um, when President Obama uh, basically said, for your meddling in our election, we're kicking you out of the U.S. And um, that one of the buildings, I think, was in the, in the Northeast, and I think one was in Washington. So I'm going to have to do a little more research to see if it really was Mount Alto um, that they got um, kicked out of. 
and and what's the one up in the, the northeast? I need to, to research that one as well. So uh, again, here's here's some things that decisions, which is basically what the whole premise of this book is, of the blind series is. Here are decisions made back in the 1980s, prior to the 1980s, even in the 1960s, that are still affecting the world today and how we're operating um, politically uh, and with bureaucracy and, and all that good stuff. So that's a little tidbit of research blogcast for today. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Um, Tomorrow, I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, something called suspension of disbelief, and I'll get into to that a little bit more. So have a great day, everyone. Talk with you on Wednesday. Bye for now.